you know why you got to pay attention? You know why you got to be vigilant? Because these things are happening. And now more than ever, I think, with this administration, closed door or back door agreements, it's not transparency. Uh, we have late breaking news to discuss here. Mark Lambrick will be with us with the Montana Electric Cooperative Association in response to a release from this apparent closed door agreement regarding the Columbia River and possibly affecting millions of electricity users in the Northwest, transportation, agriculture, the economy. It's a huge impact, and documents had to be leaked for us to know. Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe, and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. We're going to get right into it here. Let Mark Lambrick do most of the uh, talking on this. He's a gentleman uh, with the Montana Electric Cooperatives Association, Director of Government Relations. We've noted and chatted on this uh, a time or two before. Mark, thanks for being here. What uh, bothers me is that um, this... This seems to be a closed door, and of course the administration is going to say it's negotiate, it's a negotiation. But they've got an agreement on the table here, and and we had no idea. Um, well, I shouldn't say no idea, but there's a lot of people that were just completely left out of this process. Yeah, that's right, Tom. Good morning. And as you mentioned, you know, we've talked to your listeners uh, before about this issue. You know, there was uh, some legislation from Idaho Congressman Mike Simpson a couple of years ago to breach the Lower Snake River dams, which provide important electricity into western Montana. That legislation never really gained any traction. And so in the meantime, uh, several environmental groups headed by Earth Justice uh, and uh, some tribal uh, nations from Oregon and Washington uh, sued the federal government to change operations of the Columbia River Basin, uh, in which those Lower Snake River dams operate. And so we've been keeping an eye on that and uh, heard some rumors a couple of weeks ago that there was a settlement agreement on the table and uh, the electric cooperatives were not able to see that, uh, nor were our representatives. And uh, we understand that members of Congress were actually prevented from seeing this document. And uh, But we did get a you know, broad strokes of what the terms were, which were very troubling. Uh, I did not have eyes on this actual document until yesterday afternoon yeah. when it was leaked by four members of Congress from Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. And... Uh, unfortunately, my worst suspicions were confirmed uh, about what this agreement includes. And I can just tell you from, from the outset, this is going to be uh, very, very difficult for Montana's electric cooperatives and their, their rate-paying members. Uh, there's up to 3,000 megawatts of electricity uh, that, would be, that would need to be replaced uh, that is currently produced by carbon-free hydroelectric generation on the carbon, on the uh, Columbia River system. And so, you know, I can certainly get into the details. Did you have a question right now? Yeah, well, no, I was just going to ask, what is that, uh, you know, thousand-foot view of this, uh, so to speak, of this sure. agreement? Yeah, so it's 37 pages of the agreement, and it spells out commitments from the United States government to the six sovereigns that are involved in in this negotiated settlement. That's the states of Oregon and Washington. And uh, there are the Nez Perce tribe, confederated tribes and bands of the Yakima Nation, 
Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation and the Confederated Tribes of the Warm Springs Reservation. So it does not include other tribal nations in the area, uh, which I think is kind of curious. Uh, so the, uh, the plaintiffs here have until December 15th for a federal judge uh, to accept this agreement. Uh, but right now, given that what's on paper here and has been released, these are commitments from the United States government. And here's what those commitments are. Uh, first, the, the one that's most alarming to us here at Electric Cooperatives is it calls for fundamental changes to the operation of the dams on the Columbia River system. And what that means is uh, running through more water uh, through the spillways keep cooler water into the river uh, to benefit recovery of salmon and steelhead and, and other fish species. Uh, don't object to recovery efforts, which are working, uh, but it fundamentally changes the availability of carbon-free base load electricity generation, uh, which is so critical to uh, the co-ops, particularly in the wintertime. Mm. And so, you know, and not to mention the fact that uh, the electric co-ops uh, is a you know, member-owned uh, electricity distribution uh, in federal law have preference right to that power that's produced there. So there would be fewer megawatts produced at those hydroelectricity uh, facilities on the Columbia River, and it would have to be replaced uh, in some other way. So the document goes on to uh, make investments to create a, a new tribal entity that would own and operate electricity generation, uh, transmission, and other functions. Um, and the expectation there is that would be renewable energy uh, such as wind or solar. So as you understand, that's not baseload generation. It's not available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so particularly in the wintertime, uh, wind and solar in the region are challenged uh, to produce electricity. So preference customers such as electric cooperatives, uh, in order to make up for that lost electricity, would have to go out onto the open market to procure uh, the resources necessary to serve their members. And as you can understand, uh, you know, we're at, we're at a, a time right now, we, you, know, you and I just talked a month ago about how challenged we are trying to find baseload generation at this juncture. So even if it is available, it's going to be significantly more expensive than uh, what we currently receive from, from that Columbia River system. Well, and that's why a lot of this makes no sense to anybody who's got a, a handle on, on energy policy. It's not about energy policy, apparently. What's what's binding here? And there's there's not much time. This is an agreement or a commitment, I guess, by by the federal government. What does our delegation say about this? And you know, we have alerted the the delegation about it, and I'm encouraging all of your listeners to uh, get a hold of your member of Congress, uh, whether it's uh, on the Senate side or the House side, and let them know that you're aware of this commitment from the United States government that was developed in secret and uh, ask them to contact the White House and stop this thing in its tracks. Uh, this, is, uh, this is not the way that, that policy should be developed, and it's harmful to western Montana and Montana as a whole. Uh, you know, and as you mentioned, you, you mentioned you're going to be talking to the grain growers today. Mm-hmm. You know, there are other 
other assets to this Columbia River system that are inc- incredibly important. It's not just electricity generation, it's recreation. Um, a lot of Montana grain is transported on barges on the Columbia River system. Uh, and there, there's irrigation, uh, municipal water supply, goes on and on. And so if you're drawing down the reservoirs uh, behind these dams and make them unusable for uh, any of the purposes for which they were built in the first place, uh, that's a real problem. Yeah, they're noting that too. Uh, there's a, a group called the Northwest River Partners. Um, it's an organization, sort of a, a coalition, so to speak, and they've come out strongly against this, noting those things, farming, transportation, navigation, the economy, and, and then also strongly objecting as well to the fact that um, their directive for a settlement um, in in that law, uh, lawsuit um, included or presumably included their engagement in this process. Um, they were completely left out of this process. Is there any legal recourse? Well, I'm not a lawyer, Tom, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, we do have lawyers looking yeah. at that. Yeah. And I know, uh, you know, looking at the letter provided by uh, the members of Congress from from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, I mean, certainly they're looking at options as well. But, you know, one important fact that I think is uh, is missed in this is Congress and Congress alone has sole authority on decisions whether or not to breach federally owned and operated dams. And so to actually execute this agreement would require two things. Number one, it would require Congress to approve of breaching the lower Snake River dams. And number two, uh, there's hundreds of millions of dollars that the government in this document is committing uh, to, to these, you know, the tribal entities in the states of Oregon and Washington uh, to execute this agreement. And of course, Congress alone has the power of the purse. Mm-hmm. So there would have to be appropriations of these resources that would have to be approved by Congress. So uh, that's why we're encouraging your listeners uh, to get a hold of your member of Congress as soon as possible and tell them to stop this agreement and exercise Congress's authority uh, over appropriations and also uh, under the law on whether or not to breach existing important carbon-free hydroelectric dams. So there are avenues here uh, right now and still available. And again, uh, let me um, uh, do the same thing and encourage folks. It's uh, Montana Senators uh, Steve Daines and also John Tester. And then uh, the congressional delegation for the House of Representatives features Matt Rosendale and Ryan Zinke. Mark, give us an overview of the salmon situation there. If uh, we're directed to uh, come to some kind of agreement with these entities, so to speak, what is an acceptable agreement? Well, first of all, I just want to talk to you a little bit about where Montanans stand on on this issue. You know, mm-hmm. we, uh, we worked with the Montana Chamber of Commerce on a statewide poll of Montana voters uh, in 2022. This was a scientific poll, and that poll demonstrated 83% of Montanans support the use of hydroelectric dams to produce electricity. And of those, 62% supported the use of lower Snake River dams to produce electricity. And that's why uh, the Montana Electric Cooperatives Association went to the last legislative session with a resolution opposing breaching the dams. That was a resolution carried by Senator Mike Cuff of Eureka, and it earned overwhelming bipartisan support in the legislature, including the near-unanimous support of Montana's American Indian Caucus. 
the Montanans understand the importance of uh, this resource in western Montana, and they understand that the ongoing efforts to save salmon and steelhead and other species in the Columbia River system are working. Uh, you know, the science, it, it, one thing that was interesting in this uh, mediation document, it said the science is clear. Uh, you know, federal government has to, uh, you know, put additional resources, make significant changes to try to save historic salmon and steelhead stocks. Uh, what they don't refer to is the billions of dollars that ratepayers have already put into the system with fish ladders and other uh, species uh, mitigation efforts, and it's working. You know, there's a you know, over 96% survival rate for juvenile salmon in the system. Uh, you know, there's there are other factors at play here besides just operation of the dams. I mean, we're talking about warmer temperatures in the Pacific Ocean and other problems in Puget Sound. I mean, it's a complicated issue on um, on salmon recovery. But what I, what, what the conclusion is that what we have been doing and, and continue to do is working. And you know, there is room to to continue those efforts and still produce the important hydroelectricity and, and other uh, resources you know, of those facilities on the Columbia River. Huge important point there as well. We are addressing the situation. It is working. Um, and that's not to the exclusion of the millions of rate users and transportation and navigation. Mark Lambrecht again with the Montana Electric Cooperative Association. Thanks, Mark. Uh, We look for further updates, okay? Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast. And join us daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. for more Voices of Montana, a live issue-oriented talk show heard daily Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on local stations all across Montana.